1: Welcome in everybody to the CFB Nation All America podcast presented by Twisted Tea. I'm Bill Trochi senior editor at SportingNews.com, alongside Bill Bender, our national college football writer at SportingNews.com. You can follow Bill on Twitter at BillBender92, and you can follow me at Bill troche and keep an eye on the main Sporting News account at Sporting News. Bill, we are here at week. Six and uh, the college football world is going to be headed down to Dallas to try what fruity pebbles pickles is that fruity pebble we-
2: pickles? We gotta uh, had Chris Hummer on, and Chris <laughs> is awesome. Chris is one of the really good guys in the business, and he you know, living down in that, that's he he treats Big 12 football a lot like I treat Big 10 football. He has a just an intense passion for it and and does a nice job. So, I and we were glad to get his insights on texas oklahoma
1: i don't think there's too many that are better and you were checking out the menu which <laughs> i don't i don't know if you, i recommend that you said you were feeling a little out of the under the weather and you're looking at you know all kinds of fried foods and everything i don't know if i recommend that i don't i'm not gonna eat them
2: but like i'm always <laughs> curious like i there's somebody that's walked through that in ohio has we have a state fair here it's similar and you're like what but when chris said i'm gonna have a fried snickers and it was like cat very casual like i'd be like well i'm not eating that so um yeah maybe a, a jalapeno grilled cheese would open up my sinuses a little bit who knows
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform A jump.
2: A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this.
3: Adidas.
1: All right. Well, very good. Well, let's get into it. We got some things I want to talk about this week. And uh, the first one is whether or not Georgia should be number one. You rank all 133 teams each week, do a heck of a job. It's very popular. A lot of people like to to look at it on Sporting News and, and talk about it, discuss it, and, and check where their alma mater is and everything like that. You've had Georgia at the top uh, all season, and I want to know um, why they are still number one, even after a a close call at at an Auburn team that really isn't anywhere near the top 25. I don't know where you have Auburn, but I don't think they're near the top 25.
2: If you want to put somebody else number one, you can. Like, that's kind of the way. I do it, and I'm guilty of this, and I've read other sites, and I saw Heather Denich wrote something about this a while back, and I don't want to pin this all on her, but, I mean, she's right in terms of, like, Georgia's not playing, like, the number one team in the country right now. And you can make a case for in our one to one I I'm open to hearing everybody from Michigan through Washington state as number one, which is wild, that that's how wide open it is. But I'm also a guy that's kind of like, they're the King till somebody knocks them off. And I've always kind of, and that's kind of how college football has been. They are still number one. They haven't lost and I I need somebody to knock them off to knock them down. Now they may get that at some point. It feels a little bit, maybe a little premature to say this, Bill, but I remember Florida State in 2014 was number one, hadn't lost, and was going through kind of the same thing where you're like, they're going to get theirs eventually, and they did in the playoff from Oregon. But that's I'm not to that level with Georgia yet. But, again, they're playing with fire. We talked about it Saturday night. I mean, they've trailed by double digits twice. You know, if you're talking about who should be ranked number one, it probably is Michigan or Washington, in my opinion. Two very different styles, but two diff- very different ways of just annihilating people right now.
1: Yeah, Michigan with defense, Washington with offense. I would say that, yeah, it's at this point, at some point, you have to get away from the predictive preseason top 25 and – look at the resume and and look at the eye test and figure it out. And Georgia is not playing like the number one team. There's no runaway number one team this year, which makes college football really, really fun right now. We haven't had many upsets in the top 10, the top 12, the top 15, but we don't have a runaway slam dunk, Alabama, Georgia, you know, whoever at number one, but Alabama, uh, Georgia, their resume does not cut it. They have an FCS win, they have two Group of Five wins, and then two SEC teams who are a combined five and five right now, one and four in the SEC, and they struggled with both of them. Right. So uh, I don't know what you point to to say Georgia's is playing like the number one team in the country. Uh, you know, you can lean on what you it, it's the preseason top twenty five is predictive. You think, okay, who's going to win the national championship? I'm going to put them at number one. But at some point, and it's, it's a fun, blurry line when it becomes not predictive anymore, but what the teams' resumes have looked like and what the eye test tells you. And I think we've cr- I've crossed over to that point. I don't think Georgia should be number one. I do think it's not a slam dunk who should be number one. What about Texas, right? We've right. got Texas has won every game by double digits. They beat Alabama. They beat Kansas, who's a pretty good Kansas team. Like Chris said, they've been tested a little bit in the fourth quarters. They've come through. They've blown other people out. Uh, They have all double digit wins. We'll see what happens this weekend with Oklahoma. They have a stronger resume. They have a better win, clearly, at Alabama, and they pass the eye test. So, you know, I think you can make a pretty strong argument for Texas, you can make an argument for Florida State with their win over LSU and then their win at Clemson. That's two big wins, not at home, which is a nice resume booster. And, um, you know, like you said, Washington, Michigan. Michigan's in the Georgia camp a little bit in terms of really weak schedule. But they've looked more dominant week in and week out than Georgia has.
2: Yeah, ESPN had a great nugget on them. Scored 30 points and allowed seven or fewer in all five games. Uh, the only other teams in the last 50 years to do that are Florida State '93 and Alabama in '79, both national championship teams. So, I mean, Michigan's playing the part, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think they look like Georgia the last couple years. But you know, they still got to get through Penn State and Ohio State. So, yeah, I, I think it's a it's a very open race. But like I said, Georgia will be number ranked number one until they lose, and I'm and I'm okay with that. And I could, but I'm okay if people are like, we're going to put Texas number one. That's fine too.
1: Well, their lead is shrinking, at least in the AP right. poll. It so, is. So um, people are so, I and mean, because you look at Auburn, Auburn ran for 200 yards on them. Auburn right. scored three points on offense against Texas AM the week before. And right. they ran for 200 yards. They put up 20 points against Georgia. You know, this is, to me, it's not an Auburn team that's great. And it's just Georgia's not what they were. They lost 25 players to the NFL draft the last two years. I mean, I know it's supposed to be machine and next man up and everything, but at some point, I mean, 25 players to the NFL draft in two years is unbelievable, and they don't have the quarterback that a lot of other teams have. The three-pack 12 teams that are undefeated, Washington, Oregon, and USC, they all have way better quarterbacks than Georgia has, and – So, yeah, you can make a case for a lot of teams, which makes it fun. Let me get into the Trochi trivia as we're talking about this. An SEC team has been ranked number one for 45 consecutive AP polls. Can you name the last non-SEC team to be number one? We'll we'll revisit that at the end of the show. Who is the last non-SEC team? To be number one. We had Alabama, we had Georgia, and we had Tennessee d- at different points last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Georgia th- through this year. Uh, and so just think back to that one and see what you can come up with. Um, so that kind of leads into our next topic. You sent me a story by Ari Wasserman, friend of the pod, former guest of the pod, that I thought was interesting. He professed his love for the 14 playoff and thought this season where we have about a dozen teams that everybody feels like that are playoff worthy at least through five weeks or six weeks, five weeks, I guess. Um, This is the perfect ending because it puts so much emphasis on the regular season and we're not going to have any unworthy teams in the top four and that kind of thing. And uh, he was very passionate about it. And I think you, you're in that camp.
2: Yeah, I agree with him. I I mean, this is, why I'm I, I always tell people be careful what you wish for. If if you really want the regular season to matter, then you should like the fourteen playoff. I, I think the fourteen playoff didn't work because Alabama was basically the Patriots for for most of it. And I think that what contributed to the fatigue. A year like this year is why the fourteen playoff was created. And Ari spells it out very well. You know, can Texas win? Decide that in the regular season, find out who should be in the playoff. In a 12 team playoff, Texas and Oklahoma both go. The Big Ten East race is probably the most riveting it's been since 1995. In the 12 team playoff, Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State all go. So we can pretend like those regular season games matter. But, and I think he uses Ravens Steelers as the example. I would say, I would say Packers Lions. You know, last week, I watched Green and everybody on, who listens knows I'm a huge Green Bay fan. Watch them get destroyed by Detroit on, on Thursday night football. And afterward it was, ah, eh, you know, they'll play them again week 18. or Week They'll play them again on Thanksgiving. We'll see what happens then. In college football, if that becomes your reaction, it's not right. And that's what the 12-team playoff will create. When, when Penn State beats Michigan at Michigan, it'll be, ah, eh, might see them in a 7-10 game. Who knows? You know, and not – devastation for a week because your playoff chances are over. I mean, that's, that's what's coming rather. And I think Ari sees it the same way I do.
1: So you think Texas, Oklahoma is not really going to matter this year?
2: I mean, it don't matter for,
1: but. Because they might meet in the big 12 championship game later. And that one might have higher stakes.
2: I mean, they split that year. They've done that. They split. So yeah, it was, but that game became.
1: But my point is the game is going to be awesome. Saturday no matter if they meet again or they don't meet again. And I don't think the regular season will be diminished by that fact. And we heard Chris Homer talk about how wonderful and, you know, the atmosphere and the experience is going to be. I still think it's a huge game.
2: Well, it'll be watered down in the future though. Like if you're just playing it, it, it'll feel like an NFL regular season division game. And that's what I'm saying. Like for and Ari's point and Ari covered Ohio state for a long time. So I'm not speaking for him, but I'm, agreeing with him by saying Ohio state will make the 12 team playoff every year, every year for the foreseeable future. So what does the Penn state game really matter in terms of, Oh, we lost it. We want to win every game, but I think it it takes away from like a year, like this year, I wouldn't want a 12 team playoff. I'd want four because we're sorting it out. Now we're figuring it out. Now we're not, are we letting Clemson back in the playoff? For losing two games, like that's what it's going to reward nine and three teams. That's that's his point. That's my point. And nine and three. Well, oh, there'll be nine and three teams make the playoff. Are you kidding? Absolutely, will be. Like uh, nine and three at large bid teams will. No absolutely way. Not Absolutely not this year.
1: Not with these twelve teams that are that are hanging around right but, now.
2: I mean, in any given year, yes, a three loss team will absolutely make the playoff. And rather it's an Alabama, hey, we scheduled them. Like, that's my point is maybe, maybe a not. Yeah, absolutely. A nine and three. I think the first year of the playoff, if you sketch out the top 12, there's a nine and three Ole Miss team hanging there that would have got in. They don't deserve to be in the playoff. Like it that's it's either this for me, Bill. It's either four. Once you get past eight, then you're definitely taken away from the regular season. There's no question.
1: So, I'm looking at this year as the perfect argument for a 12 team playoff. Because, so I'm looking at the poll right now. Oklahoma's not in. If you based it on the, the top 11 and then a, a G5 team, Oklahoma's out. Washington State's out. Ole Miss is out. Oregon's, uh, North Carolina. It's like we're going to determine the national championship on the eye test and what some team look like in the third quarter, like Georgia right now is number one in the country and they shouldn't be. All right. And it's all in the eye of the beholder instead of being decided on the field. And there's going to be teams that are worthy to win the national championship this year that aren't going to get to go to the playoff. And I don't but know the, how you justify that.
2: Well, you figure it out through the regular season. Like this is Kentucky's shot right now. Like, so Kentucky, you're
1: five and oh, there's going to be you. seven, eight, nine teams that are like, have great, very close, identical type resumes and four get to go and five don't. And I just, right. that just doesn't sit right.
2: So I would challenge you to go back and look at the last 10 years, which I'm Ari's point this was year, this no, year. I'm, oh, that's fine. You can do it this year. So at the end of the year, when it all plays out, tell me that. Five through twelve really deserve to be in there.
1: Yeah, I think they will.
2: I don't. I've never thought that. I've thought there's such- no
1: there's no separation right now. There's no separation yet. Maybe there will be later. Right. But it feels like. I mean, we've watched a lot. We've read a lot. We're, we've we can make pretty good evaluations right. at, at this point. And there's 10, 12 teams that you would not be shocked if they won the national championship this year. And like I said. Six or eight of them won't even get invited,
2: but that's what we're. That's what the regular season's for—to sort it out and not give teams mulligans. Like, so Ohio State. So you're telling me, take a year like this year. Let's say Ohio State loses to Penn State, loses to Michigan in the regular season, slips in the playoff, and wins the national title. That's not then. Then you can't tell me that the regular season mattered at all. You can't. You can't tell me those games mattered if a team does that. Those high stakes. High, big time, top 10 games matter. And then we can look at it from Notre Dame stake. So Notre Dame loses to Ohio State, loses to USC, slips in the playoff as an 11, and then somehow wins a national title without playing USC or Ohio State. Like, that's what, I think that's what Ari's point is. And that's where I agree with him, that in the playoff, the playoff era to me is the perfect compromise between 12 team, which is too much, and pool era, which was not enough. We did the BCS. BCS was fine. I love the BCS. It made one mistake, maybe. And I don't think there's been, other than TCU and Baylor in 14, one team that can honestly say we deserve to be in that 14 playoff. The the Those two over Ohio State, maybe. Every other year, I'm like, that looks pretty good.
3: keep it twisted wait till this year
1: that's what i feel like this year there's going to be there's going to be problems do you, so you like the two team playoff better than the four team playoff i mean
2: every the bcs i think had one year where they didn't get it right it was uh auburn could have played for the national title instead of oklahoma for the right to get destroyed by usc <laughs> i like that it 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 had two teams, and if you look back at the BCS history, people like the bag on it. But I think it was I think the four team is better, and I think the and Ari put this in his column. He said, "You can go to one period of college football. Where would you go?" And he said, "Drop me in the four team, the beginning of the four team era, because I think, like I said, this would be a lot more successful had Alabama not been the Patriots." and Clemson had those two programs, not just kind of dominated college football to start. And, and it was like seven years of it. Then I think it would be a little bit different because people can say, Oh, you know, TCU got their shot last year. Well, how'd that title game go? Like that title game was not good for college football.
1: No matter how. how the semifinal go? It was fine, but I it mean, it was fun. You it was very two- fun. It was exciting. It was a playoff game. We had an upset. They made it to the national championship game. But you we can't tell have them, that game. We don't have that game in the BCS era.
2: That's fine, because I'd rather have a a championship game with the two right teams in it, and a system that would have put either Michigan or Ohio State in Georgia. I'd rather have that, and I know that's
1: we did get that. We they, had Ohio right. State play Georgia in this other semifinal.
2: You can't logically tell me TCU Georgia was good for the sport. There's no argument for that. That there was a 58 point championship game. That was good. There's no, we could spin it as, oh, well, Georgia was just up now. It was, you can't have a 58 point national championship game. That's embarrassing. And there <laughs> was, there was games like that in BCS era. I would concede that, you know, I watched USC demolish Oklahoma and I watched, what was another one? I watched Alabama demolish a couple teams. I watched Florida beat Ohio state by 27 points, but Florida was number two. So it, it happens, but yeah, like you're going, you're right. They'll have they'll have some fun quarterfinal games, but again, that's all of that takes away from the regular season, in my opinion, because it just becomes an NFL viewing experience. Where as a fan base, instead of being devastated when you lose a big game, it's ah, eh, yeah, you know, Penn State got us. We'll we'll get them in the playoff, or maybe we'll see them in a four thirteen game. Whereas like LSU will miss real consequences for that, real consequences for LSU giving up seven hundred yards. You're done. You're out of the playoff now. I like that because you can't. What if LSU wins the rest of their games? You think their playoff? You think a team that gave up 709 yards is playoff worthy?
1: Do you think they're going to win the rest of their games? after giving up 709 yards, no. Maybe, maybe no. In the they're SEC West, to, maybe they, they will not going. They are not going. I mean, to win the rest we're of awarding. I think we would award- have to beat Alabama. They would have to beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. They're not good enough. They wouldn't be good enough for a 12 team this year. Like. I just, that's the fact they lost to Florida state those whole mess. They're not good enough, but 12 but, team field is still going to have a lot of good teams in it. And LSU would not make it this year.
2: But that's the difference to me between the NFL and college football. There aren't maybe this year, there are 10 teams good enough to win the national title. Maybe. But once they play each other and sort it out, then you get it down to what it normally is. Six, six. There's never 12 at the end of the year. No, it's, it's never,
1: usually one or two. <laughs> no,
2: it's never 12 by the end of the regular season where you're like, these 12 teams could actually win a national title. That number's normally four to six. So I've always thought the six team would have been interesting. The one year where USC and Penn State played each other in the Rose Bowl. I was like, mm-hmm. those two would have been fun in the playoff. But it's never 12. It's There's never been a year in my life where I've said at the end of the regular season, team number 12, Is national title worthy yeah it's it's never been the case
1: that's not my point my point more is just like i just i'm dreading teams getting left out this year because of the committee debating you know what the score was at halftime of this game or whatever instead of just like throwing them into a pool and letting them fight it out for four quarters you know washington is 11 and one, and then loses to USC by a field goal. And it's like, well, that was close. Maybe we should put him in. Maybe we shouldn't, whatever. You know what I mean? I don't know. The Uh, worst
2: part about the 14 playoff is the two loss rule. Okay, I mean, that's, I'll concede that. It's like, once you lose two losses, you're out. That's, Mm -hmm. there hasn't been one. They, they'll take all these great Pac-12 games. If the winner comes out of it and it's 11 and two USC and it's, 12 and one Florida State, they will take the 12 and one team. And that's the flaw in it. And I, you know, but again, I, I don't think, and you can go back and look at each year, I don't think there's been like a flagrant miss in the four team, or just like I don't think there was really a flagrant miss in the BCS era outside of Auburn and then maybe letting Boise State have a swing one year. That's which they could have, which would have, I think, been against Alabama and they would have got crushed anyway. So <laughs> um that's what I think, though, and, and that that will create more stories like TCU. Yeah. But the final page of that book always has the same conclusion. You're going to True. run into somebody with a bunch of five stars. So I and I that. think that's where Ari's viewpoint comes from. And I don't always agree with him, but a 100 percent on this one, I'm with him like. If, we'll see though. Next year, maybe my view will change because it'll be. There's nothing I can do about it. That's what we're going to.
1: Interesting to note. I got the two polls in front of me: the AP poll and the coaches poll. Right now, at least there's one, two, three, five, six teams between the two polls that have a number one vote. Mm-hmm. Six different teams. That's got to be a high. That's a high number for this late in the season. Right. Pretty cool. Pretty cool to see. Um, one other uh, not one other, but another topic I want to touch on. Uh Notre Dame. Do you feel better or worse about the Irish after the Duke game?
2: Um I that was a remarkable way to gut out a win. I'm worried about their emotional bandwidth over the next two weeks because they gotta go do it again. Uh the at prime time at Louisville against an unbeaten team. Then they gotta go do it again against the best player in the country, Caleb Williams and USC in a rivalry game in prime time. And I saw a tweet and I feel so bad. I think it was Pete Sampson. They they said that they let know Marcus Freeman know that Louisville was primetime in a press conference and his face just was kind of like like are you serious? Like because that's that's hard. Like people can diminish that all you want, but it's hard now you're Louisville's big game of the year. And then you're going to be in another big game. They haven't had a bye week, which is wild scheduling to, to have that Ireland trip on top of all this. So, I mean, Notre Dame certainly earned it. And I think they earned a hard fought victory and Sam Hartman made the biggest play of the year so far on fourth and 16. And they gutted out a win in in a place where that was Duke's all in game. And now they got to go do another all in game. So I understand every benefit of the doubt should go to Notre Dame if they could pull these next two weeks out.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I th- feel like they, they gained some credibility losing to Ohio state and they lost a little credibility having to pull one out of the fire against Duke. Um, And I don't, you know, the narrative had Duke held on the narrative would have been, well, Duke's a great team. Look at everything they've done this year. They're still undefeated. They've beaten Clemson. They've beaten Notre Dame. Mike Elko's doing a great job. Their defense is great. Duke is a really great team. But when Notre Dame pulled it out, I feel like that that win is getting diminished a little bit. Like it's, yeah, it's only Duke. Notre Dame should beat them. And, you know, they but they went toe-to-toe with Ohio State. That's for sure. Uh, and, you know, I guess I would say I do think they played better against Ohio State than Duke. And uh, they probably deserve to beat Ohio State and they probably deserve to lose to Duke. So when you do look at their performance, uh, I do think they probably played better against Ohio State. But, um, you know, to gut it out and to go one and one was good for them, of course. And yeah, the schedule is going to end up being opening the season with eight straight weeks, including a trip to Ireland. And, before they get a bye, and then weeks five, six, seven, eight, they're playing prime time games against undefeated teams, right. four weeks in a row. <laughs> right. So if they get out of that seven and one, good for them. I don't know if they can do that. Uh, Louisville is going to be a huge test. Jeff Broms really got them humming, and right. then of course, you know Caleb Williams is capable of winning games all by himself, no matter how well you play.
2: Yeah, and that's just brutal scheduling. But yeah, I still think Notre Dame's good enough to win. I think they'll win this week and then probably will not pick them against USC, but we'll see because USC's defense left a lot to be desired last week. And Notre Dame, maybe they can make that a fist fight at home and play out the same emotions that they did against Ohio State a couple weeks ago. But that's a lot of emotion. Like I said, emotional bandwidth would be the phrase I would use over the next four weeks. Mm
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Peter King of uh, MMQB fame and a longtime NFL writer went to the USC Colorado game along with the rest of the world and led his Monday morning quarterback column with the, his impressions of Caleb Williams and Shador Sanders. And he, I think he said it's the first time he's ever led that column with a, with a college game, which was interesting. Tells you, you know, just the effect of, of everything that Dion's been doing out in Colorado and everything that's happened with that team. Um, the question that popped into my head that I wanted to ask you while I was reading that column, and because he was just heaping praise on Shador Sanders, rightfully so, especially that touchdown pass near the end uh, that kind of put Colorado with, kind of within striking distance, but it was just such a terrific throw to, I think it was Omarion a my- a Miller that um, what happens if Caleb Williams is on Colorado and Shador Sanders is on USC? Is that game any different?
2: No. And no, I would still take Caleb. Williams. I'm reading a column right now from the Denver post that says you better believe Shador Sanders is a better quarterback than Heisman winner, Caleb Williams. Oh boy. Uh, well, I mean, we'll see on draft day when whoever takes Caleb Williams, number one, um, Caleb, the the why that column is being written is in the fourth quarter. Caleb Williams, the last three drives, I believe, interception, missed field goal, punt for USC, and we can call that clutch time or crunch time or whatever. And in that window, Shadur Sanders led a team that was not the same talent level to a comeback. Now, but if you flip those two, it's the same result. Caleb Williams will probably make some crazy plays to keep Colorado in the game talent wise mm-hmm. I think Caleb Williams has the advantage uh, emotional leader type I don't know the answer to that I mean obviously both guys have the huddle I, I do think as we rode, it's if Shador Sanders stays another year he could be the number one pick in the following draft I mean he does make quick decisions with the football he's got the arm talent he takes a lot of sacks but I don't think that's a That you'll, if you do that in the NFL and hold the ball too long, you're going to take a lot of sacks too, and you'll be out of the league pretty quickly. So, I mean, that's something to watch with him. Whereas Caleb Williams makes a handful of plays a game that he's the closest thing to Patrick Mahomes in the college game. And those, they're a little bit different style, but the comparison is apt.
1: I think it speaks volumes that you say the game would have been the same because that puts them on the same plane. Right. You know what I mean? And I agree with you. I think. Shador could direct that USC offense. I think Caleb could make plays. He scrambles better, I think, than Shador, a little bit better. Um, the thing that helps Shador's NFL prospects is his – I've talked about it from my observations all year. I've, I've watched every game. I'm actually kind of looking forward to the fact that they're on the Pac-12 network this week and right. I won't be watching them because <laughs> I don't have it. Uh, but I have watched all five games. That he doesn't scramble unnecessarily. He doesn't try to to run down the field prematurely. He'll make plays. He'll extend plays. He doesn't like to run, kind of like Bryce Young used to do. And that's how you survive in the NFL. There's not a lot of guys that make a living scrambling downfield in, in the pocket. And I think Caleb stays stays put for the most part too. But that's going to make Shador attractive to the NFL teams when it comes to be, when it comes to draft time.
2: Yeah. I mean, he's, he's great. That was a good show by both quarterbacks and they will find ways. And I'm sure at sporting news. We'll find ways to keep Dion in the news, but Shador, we wrote that in, I wrote that in week one. I stopped it. He's why that, that stays. He's why they're going to reach a bowl game because of his talent. And that helps. And I, have it. We'll have a column here in a couple of days, if not tomorrow. About I spoke with Jimmy Johnson about it, and he said that it doesn't hurt that his son is the quarterback. He said that a couple times in our conversation. So, whereas you know we're we're he kind of put down this idea that this is the second coming of the U. He just said he has a great, great publicist, and Dion's really worked at being a good coach. And it doesn't hurt that Shador Sanders is his kid. And Jimmy Johnson, who has national titles and Super Bowls, knows what he's talking about.
1: one other thing before we uh we wrap this one up i wanted to talk a little sec west and i think it's an underrated game this week because i think all the focus is on texas and oklahoma but the other team in texas has a really big opportunity possibly to take control of the sec west race now that Ole miss has a loss lsu has a loss if they can knock off alabama this weekend that's a three thirty CBS game. If Texas A&M beats Alabama is Texas A&M in the driver's seat.
2: Um, yeah, which is wild. And that's why, you know, would not to reignite that 12 team argument. This is what these games are for. This is because we're not rewarding Alabama for losing two games and, and Nick Saban coming on halftime show on championship week, lobbying for his playoff team. That doesn't deserve to be there. Uh, Max Johnson gives them a little bit of a different look. They're going to play with a ton of confidence. Uh, He's done well.
1: He's done well off the bench for them.
2: He's played a lot of football. And you're seeing that theme, Bill, that I'm waiting for you to assign this piece to me of, like, Max Johnson, Talia Tungvaloa, these guys that have just played a ton of football. Sam Hartman. Sam Hartman, Jordan Travis. They're on Penix. It's a lot of... uh, Winning teams. So, yeah, AM absolutely has a shot to win this game and, and suddenly flip the script of the entire division. I mentioned LSU's defense. That's embarrassing what they did last week against Ole Miss. Now, what if you get a four way tie with one lost teams and Alabama with a second loss? I mean, the SEC West could be this year's ACC Coastal. So, tremendous opportunity for AM this weekend. And they have the confidence of knowing that they beat Alabama at home two years ago with Zach Calzada at quarterback. They played Alabama to the last play last year with Jalen Milrow, quarterback. And they mm-hmm. have this veteran who's played. I mean, I went back. I was like, oh, my gosh, he played in 2020 against Alabama with LSU. So he started twice against the Alabama with a different team four seasons ago. So, mm-hmm. it, uh, you know, but it, it it's going to be a ball game. It's going to be very interesting. And your point taken, because if they win that game, they'll, we're going to have AM Georgia in the SEC championship game.
1: Right. We already wrote a and off when they lost to Miami by a couple touchdowns. And now all of a sudden we, we've written Alabama off a little bit when they lost to Texas. We've written LSU off and someone's got to come out of there. And whoever does is going to have some quality wins and then, you know, play in the SEC championship game. So, all right, Trochi trivia. Let's revisit who is the last non-SEC team to be number one in the AP poll.
2: You said 45 straight weeks.
1: 45 straight weeks. It's been either Georgia or Alabama, and then Tennessee had it for one week.
2: I would say Ohio State, and that's that's probably the wrong answer, but it's the easiest answer. So it's probably somebody random that, that took over as number one, but Ohio State's my best answer because I feel like in that window between 19 and 20 with Justin Fields, they were probably number one at some point. Week 10,
1: 2020. Clemson was number one.
2: That'd be my other guess, right? And, uh,
1: so. They lost at Notre Dame in overtime when Trevor Lawrence sat out the game. And uh, D.J. Uangale threw for like 400 and something <laughs> yards in relief. Uh, and uh, number one, Clemson went down. And since then, it's been SEC at the top of the AP poll
2: is why we want the 12 team playoff because it's just Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio state for the last 10 years. So that's <laughs> always the best counter argument saying we're sick of watching these teams, but you got, you guys just want Colorado in that 12 team playoff.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, that's all we've got. Thank you to everyone for listening to the CFB nation, all America podcast brought to you by twisted tea on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thank you to Irish Breakdown, your source for Notre Dame football information. We'll be back later in the week with our prediction show. And then Saturday night, we'll have another live wrap-up show on the CFB Nation YouTube channel. Uh, You can join in the chat Saturday night around 11.30, and then the show will uh, also be up in your podcast feed every Sunday. So enjoy the rest of your day, and we will see you soon.